right, KISS Army. Welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. We hope that you enjoy. 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 Welcome to episode 342 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill. And it's the same group as last week. It's nice. Lonnie, St. Louis KISS. Marcus Almighty Mark. Greetings. And the voice of reason, 69th Blizzard, Ken. Hey. This week, there's no real news. Next week, there might be. Never know. So, nice to have a boring week for once in a while. I did, I did get some mail this week, and hopefully that shows up a little bit. Got my uh, Buffalo Rock City CD. So, um, check that out at buffalorockcity.com. There, there is one bit of news. The, uh, the Glastonbury Oh, yeah. Show. Yeah, that's it's right. Canceled. Yeah, Glastonbury 2021 has indeed mm-hmm. been cancelled. So is that a portent of doom for touring in 2021? I think the uh, rollout of vaccination and the continued challenges that most Western democracies seem to have with getting a grip on this pretty much answers the question because uh, England's locked down, Europe's locked down, Canada... Well, Canada is Canada. It's freezing. Just, just, just COVID even like cold. But you guys yeah, are in a mess up. You guys are in a mess up there as well, aren't you? So, that, I'm, so. I'm just saying, for once the world is united, we're all a well, mess. In, yeah. in to further Ken's news, um, Carl Palmer, who has a band now, the ELO, the ELP Experience oh, that he does. Uh, yeah, slip of that tongue there. Uh, ELP Experience. Uh, he may he put out a post very recently saying that his uh, booking agent told him that all 2021 shows for that tour are canceled. And we also spoke to Jeff Downs today from Yes, the keyboard guy in from uh, what's it called from Asia as well. Uh, it's not looking good for anything touring wise for most of these major bands. So if you're thinking there's going to be a tour coming, think again. Kiss, 12 months in the year. One live album per month on a uh, you know subscription basis. Just do it because I mm. think I think the fans need it, and I yeah. don't think frankly Soul Station is going to do it for the majority of fans. So you know it, they've got shows. We know they have shows. Mm-hmm. We know Dubai is going to come out, which I I don't think I'm probably going to be able to see in the cinema, unfortunately, but. Um, mm-hmm. It would be nice because I really do not feel that we're going to see much touring this year. We might see some acts in some places where you are able to. Obviously, the masquerade happened in Florida in December, which was after the Thanksgiving bump in in infections and all that. So there are ways to do it, but I think we're going to be watching a lot more from our screens than we are in person, especially depending on people's personal comfort levels uh, with socializing, people's personal comfort levels with getting vaccinated. I've had my first shots, uh, getting my second one in a couple of weeks. My mom got her first one today in England, which is really nice, but vast majority of younger folk are not getting it um it's not even available to them so you know we'll see we hope eternal that things like the cruise don't get impacted that it's far enough out that things can be brought under Mm -hmm. control but it doesn't sound like that's going to be the case and that would be great to be wrong about well let's move on to happier topics 
<laughs> and this one comes from the board this week, and it is Mr. Slow posted a topic last week that caught my eye. The MVP on every Kiss album. Now, I don't remember if we've ever kind of done this before, because we've been doing this show for what? This is, I think we're just coming into our sixth year now. So, mm. uh, again, if we recycle some topics sometimes or approach them from different angles, well, all's fair, as long as folk keep listening and we keep having fun getting together to talk about it then it doesn't matter mm. so mr slow thank you for the topic suggestion we're going to break this into sections and just deal with the first um first few albums we're going to include alive and alive too and just go kiss through alive too on who we think each album's mvp and that's uh what does mvp most valuable person or most valuable player mm-hmm. Most valuable player, usually. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm taking it more as most valuable person because I think an album includes producers, other people, songwriters, mm-hmm. engineers in some case, uh, and of course the musicians. Mark, how did you approach MVP? Uh, exactly the way you just said. I mean, to me, there's a there's many people involved in making a record besides the band. I mean, you have the engineer, the producer. I mean. If you really think about it, I mean, you have people who work in the background all the time that we don't hear about, you know, the mastering people, you know, the people that get supplies for the studio. I mean, everybody's in play. I mean, if you run out of tape in the middle of a recording session, that's not good news, right? So, you know, the assistant engineers are involved, lots of people. But, you know, I kind of looked at it as the main core of people, the band, the producers, the engineers and songwriters and stuff like that. Yeah. Ken, Lonnie, what about you guys? Did you look at it any different way? Did you just no. try and keep it to the band, or did you go broad? The same way. I painted with with broader broader strokes as you know engineers and, and producers, and you know who was really responsible, who who I thought was most responsible for the end product, um, not just the original, or not just the four members, four faces that appear on the cover. Yeah, I I agree. Same thing. Um... It's pretty much the band for the most part for me, but uh, there's a couple of times that I uh, choose some someone else. Well, let's get straight into it with the first album, obviously Kiss, released. Oh, Kurt, what day was it released? February the 8th. I actually think it is important. <laughs> I would love to see a memo saying the plant is pressing the albums on such and such a day. I hope there's documentation on that. That would be really fascinating. Just, you know, number one, to put it all to to bed, even though there is legal documentation with that date. Uh, So Mm -hmm. I'm not not mocking Kurt. I know he corrects people on, you know, Facebook and elsewhere about dates. I, I think it is really cool to know specifics and exacts. But okay. Kiss. Uh, there is no consensus on this. Every single person on this panel had a different opinion. So I'm going to start with with uh, Lonnie. Um, I debated this uh, a little bit, and it was. But at the end of the day, I chose my MVP for the original album is Paul Stanley. Um, reason being, Paul has a lot of album uh, rights on the song from. The co-write of Strutter to Firehouse to Let Me Know. The co-write, they all four have a co-write on Love Theme from Kiss, but then co-write on 100,000 Years and Black Diamond. I thought I thought Paul Stanley represented the most as far as material submitted for this album and made me feel that Paul Stanley is most responsible for what ended up on this album in 
you know, there, there's 10, tr- including Kissing Time, there's there's 10 tracks on the album. And the first time I saw the band in 96, they played six of these 10 songs. That's how much staying power this first album has. And, you know, granted, that's shit 25 years ago that I saw the band for the first time. <laughs> but to this day, the if, if they came out and played six of these 10 songs at any show we none we it wouldn't shock any of us for you know i mean this the six songs that they played that night were obviously they were strutter cold gin firehouse deuce hundred thousand years and black diamond i mean those are just classic kiss songs mm-hmm. and they're 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 the reason why we are kiss fans is is these core songs off this original album so you know I thought about Bill Coin and I thought about, you know, Neil Bogart because he signed him to the record deal. And I thought about Gene and I thought about Ace as a guitar sound. But at the end of the day, I just had to choose Paul because I think Paul just is represented. Paul is represented the most out of the four original members on this album. So I had to go Paul Stanley. Mark, you were the only other person who chose a musician, a member of the band uh, for your 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 most in your mvp for the album yeah why did you choose that person well i gave it a lot of thought i had extensive notes for this episode so um what i i picked ace now what i wrote for this is that ace i put down ace his guitar solos were excellent on this album and while gene and paul were still technically finding their footing i mean paul you know he's he was great and so was gene i still don't think that they were knew exactly who they wanted to be within kiss at this point at that time so but the only person that i felt kind of knew where he stood as far as his style and his performing and it hasn't changed much from album one is ace so i think that ace was the mvp because he kind of gave us our first taste of what to expect down the line for all the records as far as he was concerned and his style of playing. And since album one, I mean, look at how many people have, have, you know, stated Ace as their guitar hero or person that made them want to pick up a guitar, right? So I think that rings very strongly as a reason to vote for him as an MVP on this record, especially. Can't go wrong with the space, man. Ken, you were a little bit more... um... Vague? Vague. Thank you, Mark. And you're muted. So you're 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 like muted vague. Super vague. How am I vague? Because I'm <laughs> muted, yes. Um, well, you know, let me first say Lonnie chose Paul because he hates Gene. But, but anyway, <laughs> well, beyond that, I think we have a lot of Gene haters in this show right now. But anyway, uh <laughs> we'll see uh throughout the results. But uh yeah, I chose Kiss. I I, sh- I chose the basically the four members of Kiss uh, as a whole uh, because at that time they were working as a real team and, and they had the hunger at that time and uh, everyone contributed fantastic on the album. You know, mm, mm-hmm. you know Peter Chris is drumming his his singing on Black Diamond. Uh, you know the bass playing of Gene, you know, with his melodic runs, and then uh, Ace is great. You know, of course, guitar solos that are classic that we, you know, have to hear them that way every, you know, every time we hear it now in concert or whatever. Uh, and then Paul Stanley, you know, the solid rhythm and and you know, great songwriter and and, and so 
But all of them, <laughs> I chose them all. I couldn't pick one. I chose them all because they were really a solid unit and uh, acting as a team then. And I think there's no real most valuable player on that one. The voice of reason speaketh. I, I almost I almost went with the same thing. Yeah, I, 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 I saw your pick and I go that that really makes a lot of sense. Again, the voice of reason. You should. Yeah, I don't <laughs> agree. I went with. Uh, it's always one in the crowd. The, yeah, there's. The... <laughs> <laughs> Lonnie actually detailed one of mine, uh, and I went with Bill O'Coin, mm. because without whom, yeah. there may not necessarily have been a Kiss album that things really started moving for them once he comes into the picture with Sean um, and helps them develop their stagecraft. I think the arrangements we can see throughout the year do change from the demo they did in March with Eddie Kramer, the other demos later in the year. Um, So things really get tightened up. And I think a lot of kind of the artistic creative side came from Bill. But number one, getting them signed to a deal and i love the story to this day i'll get you a deal or you know we'll tear up this contract and blah de blah de blah getting yeah. them into the studio makes him the mvp because they would have been a pretty hard sell at the time when you think of everything else that mm-hmm. was going on in the music industry mm-hmm. that they yeah. could very easily have just been laughed out of existence without having people like Bill, Sean, and Neil, and Joyce behind them, believing in them. So, Bill O'Coin, who should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a manager. All right, let's move on. Um, We have a little bit more of consensus on Hotter Than Hell. Three of us agree, and Ken doesn't. (laughs) Ken, tell us why we're wrong. <laughs> well, here's why you're wrong. <laughs> uh, I wrote this of things. Uh, so, Gene Songs. This is Hotter Than Hell, by the way, we're talking about. Yeah, Hotter Than right? Hell. Yeah, Gene Songs, you know, solid. Um, his playing was fantastic on it. His vocals definitely stand out really, really, really good on this album. Um, and then the songs, you know, that he brought along, you know, Going Blind, uh, you know, let me go rock and roll uh, all the way watching you. I, I love all those songs, you know, very strong. And then he's saying, you know, of course, cause Ace didn't want to do it. Uh, Parasite and does a fantastic job on it. And they did it in concert, you know, recently too. Um, so I just think his material or his performance on it was better than, you know, Paul brought some good stuff, but, I don't think it was as good as as Gene's on this album. Yeah, he has. Uh, I I don't come on, you know, coming home. I thought was always okay. Mainline, I think what he wrote right, but mm-hmm. Peter sings it. Um, I thought that was, oh, you know, just okay. They, they're not sta- those two songs have never been standouts for me. Um, but his other ones are, are fine. You know, Hotter Than Hell and and the opening track. Got to Got to choose, which is you know great, um, but I just think Jeans is a little bit stronger on this album. Uh, this album just, uh, I don't know. I just feel he's the strongest one uh, on this album all around. Fair enough. It's your opinion. 
So it's certainly it's my not, opinion, of course. It's not, yeah. it is not it's wrong. It is not mm -hmm. wrong. Lonnie, why don't you get us started mind. off on uh, the, the selection that you, Mark, and I agree on? So apparently the three of us agreed that Ace Frehley is the MVP of Hotter Than Hell. Um, I think Ace Frehley's guitar playing really took a jump from the original album to Hotter Than Hell. As well as Ace's songwriting, again, I'm, I'm, I, I don't, I don't harp on song contributions the whole time, but these first two albums, I really harp on song, song contributions. And Ken brought up Parasite. Parasite is one of, is a standout song on the album. It's one of my favorite Kiss songs. So, you know, that being said, when I'm trying to look for an MVP, well, Parasite's on this album. Ace wrote Parasite. Ace also wrote Strange Ways, and he co-wrote Coming Home. And I really like, and. I like Strange Ways, and I really like Coming Home, and I I liked it before in TV Unplugged, and then I had a new appreciation for it afterwards, I think, like like most of us did. But besides it's just song contributions, I think Ace's tone and, like, Ace's playing just really took a leap from the original album to this one, and I think you can really, really hear those solos from, from Let Me Go Rock and Roll um, just all the way through. I, I think Ace really carries the load on this album. So I'm anxious to hear why Julian and Mark agree with my selection. Mark. Okay. Well, what I put is Ace. Again, his playing is fantastic on an album that is clearly quite terrible in retrospect. Uh, the tempos are very slow. The, the lyrics are questionable. And there's some pretty weak songs on this record. But... It's one of the original but, six albums. It trash. No, no, but I'm saying in, in <laughs> retrospect, when you think about it, that this album is weak compared to the debut. The production is lousy. It sounds like hell. It's muddy as hell, right? The tempos are are slow as I look at listen to Hotter Than Hell. Honestly, you're telling me that that studio version of it is anything to talk about. That thing is terrible. His Peter Chris's drumming is nothing more than a click track on that song. Like literally, I mean, it's not good. And there's some questionable lyrics, you know, and there's other songs on here that are not too great either. But through it all, Ace's questionable lyrics. <laughs> and, yeah, of course. I mean, come on. You're telling me that Going Blind has great lyrics in it. But, you know, his playing is fantastic. Ace's guitar playing is always fantastic. And his songwriting, just like Lonnie brought up, is something to make note of on this Parasite, Strange Ways, easily the two best songs on the record. Easy. There's just no even question in my mind about that. I mean, they're better than Got to Choose. It's better than Let Me Go Rock and Roll. It's better than, you know, anything else on there. Mainline is terrible. I mean, come on. You know, so I think that Ace, once again, did a great job playing on this record. His solos are fantastic. They're memorable. I mean, if most people, you asked if you can remember the Ace's solos on these on this record, people will probably remember them, you know? They're very memorable. So I think that his playing is really, really good on this, and those songs really knock it home for me as Ace being the MVP. So, in other words, Mark's opinion is Ace sucked less than the rest on this terrible album. It's <laughs> <laughs> a summarize. <laughs> I wouldn't put it that way, but... <laughs> you kind of uh, just did. <laughs> well, no, I mean, the production is not their fault. That's clearly in the hands of Kerner and Weiss that it was terrible, right? I mean, the song selection is a band's choice, obviously, more or less Paul and Gene's choice, what goes on the album, right? 
can't blame Peter. I mean, you know, really, I mean, the only thing that he wanted was a 10-minute drum solo, which he didn't get. But other than that, he didn't do badly. I mean, it's just the tempos were terrible. You know, come on. Really, you think that that version of Hotter Than Hell is good? I'm very curious to hear the, the, the people's reaction who wrote, comment on this, if they honestly think that that version even holds a, any water compared to the live version of that song. Well, you asked for it. Um, I will. <laughs> literally, again, I, I, I nearly agree with Lonnie word for word. So I, I barely need to even answer this. Ace, Ace, Ace. And again, it is those three songs that he wrote. Are, you know, Parasite, come on, fantastic. Coming Home, I love Coming Home. Always will. I don't know, and I don't think they even know what his contributions were. But I don't care. I love it. Uh, Strange Ways, come on. All of those are some of the finest Ace songs until you get to his solo album in 78. This was really kind of a peak for him. And his guitars do cut through that sludgy production so that you can appreciate them fully on that. So for those two reasons alone, it, it has nothing to do with the other performances. I actually find the sound of the album quite endearing now, especially knowing that we're not going to get any better. So it really is what it is. Um but I, I do agree a little bit with Mark that the tempos do come down and but let me go rock and roll. Come on. That is up tempo kick ass all That's along. Um, but Parasite got to choose going blind all the way are all much slower tempo. There aren't enough really rocking fast forward kind of rock songs to gallop along with. So I, I get that perspective. All right, well, that was that was really fascinating. Um, let's move on to Dress to Kill. And, well, we're, we're split 50-50 on this one. So, Mark, why don't we start with you? Okay, so my MVP on this is Neil Bogart. Now, the reason why I picked him is because he stepped up as producer for this record. Now, this album, I love this album. It's fantastic. Absolutely great record. As producer, he steered the ship. To where it needed to go with this record okay short catchier songs great production clear as a bell production i mean compared to the previous two records there's not even a comparison in sound on this for this record and i mean and that's a total credit to neil bogart's production knowledge you know and it's very much also in the lap of dave whitman who did a fantastic job engineering this and mixing this record i mean they he really kind of stepped up and did something that record guys rarely do is come in and say, listen, guys, this is what we need. If you go down this pathway here, I have a feeling we'll do much better, you know, sales wise and overall for you guys. And and it did. I mean, t when that record came out, it was their best selling record that they had. And it also has, you know, Rock and Roll Night, their biggest song on it, you know, and that was mainly because of Bogart's prodding to come on, write a song like this or think about doing a song like this. So I, I think that he really kind of was the cheerleader for this record and his skill, you know, from before we're working with Buddha and having these kind of really ultra commercially bubblegum songs. You know, he took some of that skill and brought it over and didn't turn them into a bubblegum thing, obviously, but he just kind of said, listen, let's maybe trim down the fat a bit and turn these into really snappy, catchy songs. And they were. Every song on here is memorable to me, and I, I love pretty much every track on this record. I think it's really one of the gems in their early catalog. Nice. Nicely put. Lonnie? Yeah, I agree with Mark um, for a lot of the same reasons. Uh, I think Neil Bogart brought out 
a sound that was missing on the first two albums that was not able to be captured. They, they sound so much more crisp, so cleaner. And he did. He Neil, Neil had a, a track record of writing catchy songs. So what did we get? We got anything for my baby. And love her all I can. And come on and love me. And even Rock and Roll All Night is a snappy, catchy song at the end of the day. So, and and that's what the album is. So, I, I, Neil's hands are so all over this record that I could not, I mean, before, I mean, it, it was a no-brainer for me that, that Neil Bogart was going to be my pick for this record. Just be, just for that simple fact that he he really changed, I mean, the the band really took a left turn from what they were doing on the first two albums to what they did here. Um, you know, for the, this grungy, sludgy sound on Hotter Than Hell to this upbeat, upbeat tempo and upbeat songs mm-hmm. on this record as well. Just, you know, love her all I can. Anything for my baby. I mean, that's there's so much different than Parasite and Hotter Than Hell <laughs> that, yeah. were, that they put out on the previous album. It's a total Come left turn me. From, from what they were doing. Correct. Yeah. So I... And I love it. I love this album. I'm with Mark. It's, it's it. Depending on the day of the week, I might tell you it's my favorite of the original six, just depending on 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 how I feel a, a particular day. So Neil's hands down the MVP because he he produced he made this album so much different than those first two, and it's 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 so obvious. Ken. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I didn't pick Neil Bogart. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, Neil Bogart. Or Gene know, that's Simmons. Fine. I understand the direction. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand the direction. Uh, though it was co-produced by, you know, Kiss, right? Um, but I, I, you know, yeah, the direction was fine. But I think the real uh, MVP on this was was Paul, um, and that's because of his his mostly because of his songwriting um, on this one, uh, like "Come On and Love Me." I mean, come on, fantastic. Um, rock bottom, love her all I can. I think there's another one. Um, and then the 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 chorus to Rock and Roll All Night. And I know Neil, you know, coached him on to come up with something. Well, he came up with the Rock and Roll All Night, but he didn't have verses to go with that thing. And by some chance, whatever it is, luck, Gene had these verses that somehow fit with the song. Fit with those uh, with the chorus, and it just worked. Um, so, rock and roll all night. You wouldn't have that song at all without, definitely without Paul's chorus on that one. Um, and then his performance itself on the on the record is great. Uh, you know, I couldn't pick Gene. Uh, his his songs were, you know, his first couple of songs on the album. You know, two time release. I I love Gene. You know, but. Those are not some of his best songs, um, you know, writing-wise. Um, but, you know, she is on there. But Paul is going to be the one for me on this album. I agree with Ken. I, I wasn't going to go with, with Neil yes. because of the Crazy Nights-ish production of the album, the fact that he was basically there to save money and had fired Kerner and Wise because of all the shenanigans. So for for 
you know, he he does play a very important role by crafting the song from his pop bubblegum gimmick background. So that is a positive without a doubt. But for me, it is because Paul Stanley provides much higher quality material in the short frame of time when we know that they are rushing, that he gets to basically get his pop sensibilities out. Um, come on, love her all I can versus she both being recycled from wicked lester well it's very clear which one i play on guitar well actually i play both but i love playing lover all i can you know, you just end up bopping i mean even me i'm not very boppy but his his short snappy catchy songs are just way way better quality than jeans and i do like two timer and ladies in waiting but they don't hold a candle to come on and love me and I also agreed with Ken's comment about the chorus of Rock and Roll All Night, whereas you do have that very, very catchy. So, Paul, simply because it is so catchy, there aren't enough guitar solos to, for Ace to really figure into right. this, even though the material he did, I mean, Getaway is a great little song. Absolute mm -hmm. pocket rock in that song. And the intro to Rock Bottom is really good. So, I mean, Ace does have, you know, some standout, and Peter's drumming is very snappy, upbeat, perfect for the material as well. But Paul Stanley's songwriting. All right. Alive. And I'm very surprised there is abs. Well, there is so little consensus. I thought it was going to be the one universal pick for this album. So, Mark, kick us off on Alive. <laughs> Okay, this was a little bit more difficult to choose from because you could have picked pretty much, you know, a lot of the guys from the band, they all did a fantastic job on this. And, you know, I think that the one person that people probably would have expected, and I'm thinking this is the person that Julian was kind of hinting at, that he probably might have expected me to pick, was probably Eddie Kramer. But my selection is actually Peter Chris. Now, while, it, like I said, while it was harder to choose, on this record, I got to give it to him because his playing on this record is outstanding. Like from beginning to end, his playing is complete standout. And the sound that he got on his drums, like the sound of his drums in general is great. I mean, he never got this drum sound again. I mean, I remember on an episode of Podcast years ago, they were talking about that, how this drum sound on this record was never repeated on any record. Even a live two never came close to sounding like he did on this record. And Another big thing that made me want to choose him as MVP, and I wonder how many times people remember this, is for a record that's known as being not very live and having a lot of overdubs done, it's being clearly, clearly stated that the thing that was kept on this record that is live from this from the recording is Peter Chris's drum playing and his vocals on this album. Can't say that about Paul, you can't say that about Gene, and you can't say that about Ace. So... If there's going to be anybody that's going to be an MVP on this record from from the perspective of performance, you got to give it to Peter Chris on that. Peter Chris on the drums. Lonnie. <laughs> I went with that's a, that's a good argument, Mark, by the way. Um, but I went with Eddie Kramer mm -hmm. because Eddie Kramer brought out that live kiss sound. Um, you know, we've all heard stories about when Kiss is touring for those first three albums that, you know, fans come up to him and say, hey, I, I really like you, you live. You know, I, I really love the show. Like, well, have you listened? And they say, well, have you listened to the records? Like, yeah, I have. But they really don't sound like you guys. Mm. And Eddie Kramer was able to bring that out in a live setting from a band that 
loves to jump around on stage and all the theatrics that were even the theatrics that were going on, you know, in those early days. Um, and, and yes, obviously, you know, they went back in the studio and, and touched parts of it up. We don't, we don't know it how much, but you know, we know that, that it was touched up in the studio, but Andrew Kramer is still the producer that, that gave us this gem that is kiss alive that gave us kiss a lot that, it's the, again, it's the reason we're fans is Kiss Alive. I mean, if Kiss Alive tanks, Kiss is done. And Eddie Kramer brought that out and brought Kiss from a band playing clubs to a band that was headlining shows. And with without him producing that and engineering that, you know, Kiss may not, Kiss may not have continued. So um, just be, it, it has to be Eddie Kramer to, for me just because of the way he he brought that band to life. Literally brought that band to life on that nice great sentiments ken yeah uh i like both of your arguments um uh but you know i almost i almost did yeah i almost did go with eddie kramer really um because of uh the production and and actually correcting the the problems on there like uh, mark said that you know some of them needed correction obviously because they're jumping around and running around with their instruments and and you're going to hit a wrong note every now and then. Um, but I picked, again, like I did on the first album, the Kiss as a as a foursome again. Um, it's just, you know, captured captured in their true element. Their true element is really live uh, playing. And that's when they're at their best, I think. Um, that's why this album is, you know, uh, ra- you know, ranked one of the best albums of probably all time. And at least... Uh, in live albums or in in just you know rankings of you know top 500 or whatever you know albums of all time they always put it in there um so it's it's kiss as again in their element working as a team again uh, on stage when they were still hungry they hadn't made it yet when they when they were doing these concerts um they were still you know climbing their way trying to get there so it's the band the foursome as a band nice another really really nice sentiment and i could easily have gone with kramer and in fact i did earlier but listening to lonnie give the answer that i was going to give has made me change my mind um i think the mvp for kiss alive is the road crew who kept who kept them on the stages who bled for them to be on the stages who had hands blown up got arrested who fought with other <clears throat> road managers. I think it's a testament not only to Kiss at that point, because it was a throwaway, almost the end of their career with Casablanca, but it was also the end of the original road crew because of them you know, then going on to go with Glickman Marks and discarding all of those guys. So I, I think it's the highest point of that original era of the band that the show had grown to the, the greatest part. And that show is represented by that record. So Road Crew, here's one for you. That's a very, I guess, politician-y type answer just to move away from having to repeat what Bonnie said. All right, let's very move on. 
let's move on to the one everyone has been waiting for Mark to tell you about, Destroyer. Who, and I'm actually very – everyone knows Mark's opinion about this album, that, but I want to know why he has chosen this person as the MVP for an album that uh, doesn't rate highly for him. Now, the the thing that people probably would have expected me to say on this would be nobody, that nobody's an MVP. But I, I have to say, though, that that would be a falsehood on my part to say that. For me, on this record, and we know it's not going to be Bob Ezrin that's picked as MVP. Now, the one that I did pick, though, is Paul Stanley. Now, the reason why I chose Paul Stanley is because as much as I dislike this record, it's very clear to me that Paul Stanley is starting to come into his zone now, into his element, not only as a singer, but as a songwriter. I mean, no matter what I think about this record, songs like Detroit Rock City, Do You Love Me, and even one of the most epic songs that Kiss have on a live performance stage, God of Thunder, was written by him, not Gene, by Paul. Okay, His singing on this record is excellent. Okay. I think, honestly, it's probably one of the best albums that he sings on. Sure, Bob Ezrin ruined it with the effects and how he mixed this record. But overall, his performance is fantastic. You know, uh, I really, really think that Paul kind of this is the part in the story where Paul starts moving ahead of Gene and comes out of the shadow of Gene Simmons and really is now starting to be looked at as the guy for a kiss. I think it all starts here and it all starts with this record and it all starts with the singing and it all starts with the songwriting. Because I think honestly, Detroit Rock City kind of took him to another level. And I mean, when you listen to stories later on, like when they were working on records, like let's say Psycho Circus, you know, when he was all excited and called up Bob Ezra and said, listen, I wrote another great song, Psycho Circus, you know, they, they always refer back to Detroit Rock City, you know, as that kind of standard to which they compare his songwriting to. So that in itself kind of shows me and confirms to me that I think that this is his sort of high point, his high watermark, as you would say, uh, as far as his singing and his songwriting goes. So definitely Paul Stanley is the man for me on this record. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark has been positive about Destroyer. Give nice. the man a round of applause. <laughs> no, no, you know, great sentiments. And, and that's part of being objective about stuff, you know, that you don't have to like something, but you can find something when we're talking about an MVP that is positive about a person's, you know, contributions to an album that you don't care for. Lonnie. I went with Bob Ezrin just because again, for the same reasons that I went with Neil Bogart on Dress to Kill, but well, Bob's fingerprints are, are all over Destroyer. I mean, he took Kiss from a, a sludgy kind of sound on the original two albums to a popish type sound on the third album to sounding more, sounding taking a, an extremely left turn. We talk, I talked about Dress to Kill being a left turn, but this is, this is really out of nowhere. Um, over, you know, you know, some may say overproduced with, you know, how just from the record, just how the record begins to like what takes forever for Detroit Rock City to kick in to, you know, the to the, the child screaming during God of Thunder to the way the album ends after Do You Love Me? But the outro to Rock and Roll Party, great expectations with the children's choir. There's so much going on in this record. 
that was never present or ever thought about in any in any previous Kiss album. That you know, I, I it has to be Bob Ezrin to me because it's it's such it's such it's more of a Bob Ezrin album than it is a Kiss album in certain ways. And I know Mark's made that out that argument before. Because it sounds more like Alice Cooper or, or Pink Floyd or something like that. It doesn't sound what you would expect it, you know. And we've heard stories like mm-hmm. when, and then when the album came out, you know, the, the hardcore Kiss fans hated it. That, you know, what, this isn't this isn't my band, you know. This isn't you know what I signed up for for the new Kiss album. But again, like I said about the first Kiss record, the first time I saw the band, they sang six songs off a of Destroyer. Detroit Rock City, King of the Nighttime World, God of Thunder, Beth, and Do You Love Me? Okay, I, I, that's that's five. And shout, shout out, out that's six. That's six. That's six. Six of the nine. There's only nine songs on the album. Six of the nine songs they played the first time I saw them. Like so, and, and we're not make, and we're not making the argument here whether Destroyers a, a good album or a good Kiss album or not. But I think. Bob Ezrin just made that album what it is. And to me, he has to be the, M- the MVP of that album, good or, good or bad. It's Bob Ezrin. All right, Ken. Talk us down. No, no. I, I agree. I have Bob Ezrin as the MVP um, for reasons of uh, he pushed Kiss to, you know, to play better on this album. I mean, he he really pushed Peter Chris the most um, with his drumming. I mean, the the drumming that Peter does on this album is, you know, some of his best. I mean, but it's because it it's he's drumming in ways that he would have never chosen to drum on on a on a Kiss album. Um, though there's another album that I think is better for his drumming, um, but I think Bob Ezrin pushed them. He pushed pushed Ace even. Um, and to you know write the correct or more melodic type solos that would fit the songs um and and paul's writing and then gene you know pushing gene too um so yeah it's i agree that yes it sounds nothing like anything that came before it at least kiss wise sounds more like billion dollar babies kind of production to me um similar you know the tone of guitars and that sort of thing um yeah to a degree it's overproduced it's not my favorite production for kiss but i think to a degree beth beth would not have been on this album if if some other producer was producing beth would have never been on it it would have never made it made it a hit and it would have they would have been done maybe you know i i don't know i that's why they had that knee-jerk reaction you know anyway with the sound itself um going to rock and roll over but i i think bob made some of very good decisions on the album including that that beth using beth god of thunder changing that a bit and turning into a gene song um i don't think that god of thunder would have gone down very well really as the paul version <laughs> i've you've heard the paul version and it's kind of to me, it's it, it doesn't have the same effect as uh, as the Gene version does. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think uh, it's a lot of the decision making in his production that pretty much uh, makes that album. Well, you touched on a couple of elements of why I picked Peter. 
that I think he had to rise to it far more than any of the other members um, during Bob's boot camp. So because it was such a strenuous task and he was doing drumming, that you said it was drumming that he would never have thought of. It was drumming he didn't know about, you know, seven, <laughs> seven, eighth time, you know, weird time signatures and all that, that Bob had to basically teach him. I, I picked Peter because, simply because he was stretched the most and did not break. Ace was stretched a lot and walked away. True. And therein mm-hmm. lies the difference of those two. Uh, I mean, Bob is obviously incredibly important to this album every facet of it i mean you talk about beth as well wouldn't have made the album without um without bob ezrin and i agree but adding to peter is the stuff that we then know after the fact um you know about the song but it was mostly already written anyway so i i don't see Mm -hmm. bob getting credit for beth in itself other than it being on the album so peter chris beth the song that after the fact saved kiss um or or sent them to the next level and because he worked the hardest on the album and he really it is very close to his best drumming throughout but also the struggle that he went through to provide that drumming is why and beth so I had to pick Peter for one for certain and I wasn't going to pick Bob alright rock and roll over again I thought we were going to have a little bit of consensus on this one and we didn't so Lonnie get us started with your thoughts um yeah so rock and roll over I again with someone who's not in the band I went with Eddie Kramer again on this one um I think you know coming off Destroyer Kiss was kind of destroyed and go over the way they originally had anticipated it, at least initially. So they, they kind of hit the panic button and said, you know, well, who, who can get us the sound that we want? And the answer was Eddie Kramer, simply because of the job that he did for him on Alive. So, um, again, with, with studio albums, taking different approaches, you know, three times in a row from what they did with Dress to Kill to Destroyer and now with, with Rock and Roll Over, and Eddie did a fantastic job. Eddie finally produced the Kiss album that got a live kind of sound out of the band put on a vinyl record. And it it couldn't have been easy because no one no one had, had done it yet. So, you know, Eddie, we've heard the stories of how Rock and Roll was made. We don't need to go into that. But I, th- I think Eddie just 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 created that for them. And and gave and gave the band exactly what they want. They wanted that sound, and Eddie delivered it to them. So you know, you you could pick Paul Stanley for his contributions. You could pick, you know, Gene for his contributions. You could pick any, any member of the band for their contributions to this album because this album is classic, and it's a lot of people's favorite Kiss record. But who's but who's responsible for it is Eddie Kramer. So I had to go with him. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, Eddie Kramer, I, I crossed my mind, but I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> um, though, yeah, I think it's the best produced Kiss album, or at least best sounding, the right sound for Kiss. Uh, the live sound on a studio album kind of, you know, that's the closest to their live 
or live music you're going to get not being on a live stage. Um, so, yeah, that was very good. Um, but I chose Paul, um, which I think this is the Paul's, to me, I think this is Paul's peak in songwriting for Kiss, Kiss-type songs, heavy, raunchy kind of songs. And, and so songs like I Want You, great. Take Me, another great. Mr. Speed, another great song. Hard Luck Woman, though he's not singing, he wrote it, you know, made it a hit, uh, you know, with Peter singing it. Um, just a great song. You know, you can't say anything else about that song. And then Making Love finishes with a great, you know, fantastic song as a tribute to, you know, his one of his favorite bands, Led Zeppelin. Uh, Zeppelinized a Kiss song. Um, and it's a it's a great song. Every one of those songs, in my opinion, they should be playing all those songs in concert. If I had the you know choice, I would have put them all in concert at the same time. Um, but you know, otherwise, yeah, everyone else is you know just fine. Did their job. Gene had a few couple good songs on there. Yeah, um, you know, Ace, great, great guitar solos and playing on that one. And then Peter, you know, it was solid beat on that one. Uh, but Paul, Paul and his songs really stand out, and his singing on this too it was also, you know, just fantastic. I think, again, I think it's his strongest, really his strongest album overall. I have absolutely nothing to add to that because I can wholeheartedly agree with every single word that you said, Ken. Paul was my pick as well. Mark. Well, I'm going to go with what Lonnie picked, and that's Eddie Kramer. And I'm going to go through this kind of the same way that what Lonnie was saying in the sense that he brought the production that they needed back to this record. I mean, I, and I wrote this down. Here's one of the first things I wrote. I, I shudder to think what these songs could have sounded like if they gave Bob Ezrin another shot at production with this album. It would have been another complete shit show if he would have been involved with this album, okay? Because his production would have nothing to do with the songs that they wrote here. And it's a very raw record, and it's the kind of record they wanted. I mean, there were some great interviews where, where Gene and Paul were saying right after Destroyer pretty much came out that they were already making apologies for it and saying that the next record is going to be you know, a really hard-hitting, raw record. And, I mean, the, the thing that people seem to forget, people keep saying that, you know, they went back to Eddie Kramer because of Alive, but I think it goes further than that. I mean, people forget that Eddie Kramer did their earliest demos, the 73 demos, and he was involved with that. And that's always one of the things they also talk about as being one of the, the things that they are most proud of getting done. So I think they wanted his involvement on a studio record as far back as that. I mean, they probably would have loved to have him involved in the first record. And also another thing, and this is the main reason why I think Eddie Kramer should get the MVP, is when I was going to school and learning the whole production engineering thing, one of the first things they tell you is the job as a producer is to make the band feel comfortable in their surroundings when you're working with them. If you make the band comfortable, the performers comfortable, they'll give you their best performances. And it was very clear that when they worked with Ezrin, they weren't happy with this whole boot camp crap and stuff like that. They didn't like it. Ace walked out, as you said. Peter Chris was complaining constantly. But when they got Eddie Kramer in, you know, they liked Eddie. You know, they knew what they were going to get with Eddie at the end. And I think that the comfort level just 
went up 10 notches. They kind of just went like, ah, okay, great. Now let's just get down to business and just record. And what we got was, in my opinion, the best Kiss record period and rock and roll over. And that's one of the biggest factors in that. They were uh, they were comfortable in their surroundings and they showed it in the performances that they give. Paul did a great job. I agree with you, Ken, but that's why. I mean, if you have to go through another stress show with Bob Ezrin, would he have sung as good? Maybe not, you know, but I think that he did a great job on this record because they were doing exactly what they wanted to do. And Eddie Kramer gave them that platform to do it. Excellent. Yeah. Very good. Very good thoughts there. All right. Let's move on into Love Gun. And I went with Ace for this simply because of Shock Me. It really just the importance of this song and his first vocal just to me are more important than Paul just dialing. It's almost to this point, Paul is too easily able to do songs like I Stole Your Love. Uh, you're going to do some songs for the new album. All right, here's I Stole Your Love, you know. Um, but, you know, Ace's guitar work, again, he's in his stride. He's in he's in his golden era. He, he doesn't really develop or change much now. Um, Ace, plus those boots. <laughs> Mark, I'll go back to you for the for the next response to to Love Gun. Okay, so um, I picked actually Gene Simmons for this album, and uh, I'll explain. I mean, obviously, while Destroyer, in my opinion, is a Paul album, in my opinion, uh, I always thought of this record as Gene's, <clears throat> mainly because I think that the songs that he wrote on this, while they're not you know the most greatest songs that he's ever written, I think that he now has fully gotten into character and it's starting to show in the songs that he's doing. I mean, like you listen to songs like almost human, you know, plaster caster, you know, that's all about his kind of, you know, thing with women and stuff like that. And, you know, God love for sale is a very kind of, you know, Gene Simmons ish sort of written song. I think that these songs are songs that really show that he knows who the demon is at this point, concretely, and it kind of shows in the writing of the songs on here. And I mean, it also is getting to the point where, you know, he's starting to, you know, play guitar on his own tracks more than he did on other songs prior. You know, he's starting to take more involvement instrumentally on his songs, right? Uh, and the same could be said with Paul too, probably, right? But I mean, I really think that uh, this is the one time well, not the one time. There's records later on where we can maybe say Gene had more involvement and we can think of him as it being his record. But this one to me has always been sort of a Gene Simmons record more than it is other people. And I mean, you know, Julian made a great point about Ace, you know, being the standout because of that one song. But I think that in all, you know, honesty and, you know, much respect to Julian, I think one song is not nearly enough to give somebody an MVP award. I think that Gene definitely contributed more songwriting wise and singing wise and stuff like that. So I think I, that's why I kind of stuck with Gene on this. Oh, have you tried singing on your back in a studio? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't say I ever have. All right, Lottie, what's your pick? Um, I'm different than both of you. I went with Paul Stanley for this one. Um, mm-hmm. Paul doesn't have as many writing credits on this album, but what he does give is just 
top shelf stuff with I Julian mentioned I still hear love and love gun and you know he he does contribute tomorrow and tonight which isn't my favorite track in the album but I think Paul's singing on this album Paul is really just and, and we've mentioned this but you guys have all mentioned this on different albums, but I think Paul has just really come into his own. And Paul is so polished by this point. And polished as a as a singer, polished as a songwriter, polished as a musician. And he, he gives us, you know, two of his two of his best songs he ever writes with Love Gun and I Stole Your Love. Um, you know, lead lead song on side A, lead song long, song on side B. They're they're that good. And to me that that it was I, I thought about it, but I, I, I couldn't go I couldn't go with anybody else but Paul because of 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 those two songs. Julian went with it because of one song, so I'm going to go with it for Paul Stanley because of those two songs, and I think it's more than enough. Yeah, good. Well, <laughs> makes me look marginally less foolish for my selection, but there you go. Ken? All right. Well, I chose someone different. I chose Peter on this one. I think this is some of his I think it's his best drumming uh, on all the albums. Uh, he really stretched himself on this one, did little things differently uh, than than even the prior album. The prior album, Rock and Lover, is pretty much more straight ahead stuff. Uh, but this, he he did, he did a few different things, more fills. He did the uh, uh, you know the Love Gun, uh, you know Machine Gun thing, the syncopation on Shock Me. Uh, he also, you know, he used this swing on Christine 16. Uh, he, he kept switching it up. Also, like a tribal type beat on Almost Human, um, too. So, I, I think I, his his drumming really stands out on this album for me. I just think it's fantastic. Um, and I think part of it, <clears throat> he was able to grow at least up to that point because maybe I think. Bob Ezrin pushing him a little bit and showing him some other stuff uh, back in Destroyer when they were doing Destroyer. Um, I think that actually probably helped him going forward on, on future albums. And this this is the one that, you know, I think is his best. Even though he only has one song on here, you know, Hooligan, which is, you know, it's good. You know, it's a good song. Uh, but I think his contribution in the drumming is is the big thing on this album for me i almost chose gene like uh like mark uh for those same reasons but i just had to give it to peter on this one because i always just love the drawing on this one mm-hmm. some might be surprised by your pick ken i think they they brought it would have probably expected you to pick to gene so yeah. nice, nice nice for you to show some love for the kid yeah all right last album for this episode is alive two never been one of my favorite live albums from this band so this might be interesting yeah apparently i'm the only person who doesn't agree uh ken let's start with you on a live yeah i almost said the most valuable play was the crowd noise (laughs) (laughs) but but no no i didn't go with that um uh i picked you know it was kind of a hard one uh, to pick uh but i picked ace because he was solid and i always loved the solo you know, they got shocked me on there and, and then the, the long solo that he's famous for that I guess Tommy, you know, repeats some of it today, still in concert. Um, and then, you know, other stuff like uh, Side 4 where 
one of his best one of his best written songs of all time, Rocket Ride. Just fantastic and a fantastic solo. Um he was kind of finding his you know finding his uh, almost to his peak which i think was probably you know the solo album uh, for him um but uh he saw it all the way through uh, i almost picked again i almost went with the kiss team but i decided uh, i think ace you know deserves it on this one nice mark well this one is another one that i found a little bit more difficult but i went with ace as well um you know if you think back to how I was thinking with the other live record with like Eddie Kramer, uh, I think Eddie kind of dropped the ball on this record. I mean, the crowd noise is just unbearably loud on this record. I don't know what he was thinking when he did this mix on this. I mean, it it sounds as bad as like a Beatles performance in the sixties, you know, it's like, Oh God. And especially when you listen to this on headphones. Um, so he was out. I mean, the other guys, you know, they, they did well on this record. They performed the songs very well, I thought, but Ace was, like really solid throughout this whole record. His guitar solos are well performed on this. I mean, sometimes he did, you know, modify them very slightly, but you know, everybody always seems to say that the live two versions of some of the songs were his better solos of those like versions of those solos that he would do. Um, I was also a lot happier that the solo section he was allotted on this album was a lot longer than it was on a live one. But I think the one thing that really impacted me and made me choose Ace on this was this is one of my earliest memories of Kiss when I was younger, when me and my sister used to go over to her friend's place in the, when we used to live in the apartment building, and they had Kiss plastered all over their walls, and they were listening to stuff. They were always playing Kiss Alive too. and what really sticks in my mind is that whenever we, they would talk about it, and I'd always look at those pictures and say, oh, Kiss, they're cool. They, they, the only guys that those guys would always, always talk about was Ace. They would say, yeah, man, Ace is awesome. Listen to that guitar solo, man. Ace really impacted a lot of people during that time, like especially the teenagers of that generation. I think that a lot of people really admired him as a guitar player because that's all I would remember hearing from that crowd of people. And Jane had a pretty lofty group of friends back then when we lived in the apartment building and they were all about Ace. I mean, sure, they loved Kiss as a whole, but, you know, whenever they were, you were listening to a song, you'd always see them, you know, mimicking Ace when he was doing a solo and they'd always say, yeah, it's a cool guitar sound. So I think that he really put a stamp on his, you know, whole guitar hero image at that point with this record. Excellent. Lonnie? Um, I'm with Ace Frehley as well. Uh, I think for a lot of the same reasons that, that Mark and Ken said. You know, he gets the lo- the longer solo on Shock Me. We get to hear Shock Me live. Um, his guitar playing throughout the whole album is is really spot on. And then to finish up, we get another studio track. We get our second studio track with Ace singing with Rocket Ride, which is, you know, almost almost as good as Shock Me, even though they've never played it live in Kiss. So, um, I I think I. I I just had to go with Ace by default. Although I think Ken's idea of the crowd noise, because it's very prevalent on the album, would be my number two pick if I had a runner-up <laughs> choice on this album. So, wouldn't, it be, wouldn't it be funny if they actually did use Beatles uh, uh, crowd noise on the album? The, the crowd noise Possible. on this album is second to none. So I really thought about the crowd. The crowd noise would, be, would have been a great pick. But I did go with Ace Frehley because he he really became a guitar god right in this period. And 
and and it, and it really shows on this album. I did not pick Ace. You picked the opposite I, of Ace, really. I did not. <laughs> I did not pick the crowd noise, and because of the crowd noise, the sound of the album, the songs that are included on Alive Two, the reasons that I've said many times why I'm not a big fan of the live album as released, I did stick to the studio side and as a result mm-hmm. of that bob kulik is my mvp mm-hmm. on this album because of the role he played as much as i love 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 rocket ride bob came in for the session and played on the songs and is an important part of the band at this time helping them out to get you know the album released so for that reason solely um bob kulik you are not the weakest link. So we had some interesting stuff on these these rankings just before we wrap up. Mark, not surprisingly, as a guitar player and musician, uh, picked three aces and two producers. So that, that kind of makes sense. Lonnie picked four producers. So as a consumer of music, more interested in the overall sound of product. Um, I, I'm labeling you. You, of course, define your own labels. Ken, you can label, label, label away. Ken is eclectic all over the place with his picks. There is yeah, no the there is no pattern to his no reason. reason. No no pattern to his reason. Um, That's true. Who got the most picks? Ace. Ace got eight uh, throughout this from our our rankings or our MVP picks. Paul got seven. So sorry, Paul. Gene got the least of the members. Only two. Peter had three. And uh, Eddie Kramer Haters. won the Eddie Kramer won the Gene producer picks. war, yeah, with with three picks versus <laughs> Ezrin's two. So just some interesting meaningless stats to go with our meaningless opinions about albums that we love. So that was fun, and I look forward to you know breaking the next section of the catalog up down the road. We'll do it next week, um, and and doing the same sort of approach. I mean, it was a great topic, Mr. Slow, so thank you again for the suggestion. Well, you were just posting. You didn't suggest. We just stole it. I stole it. <laughs> so that's it. What are your thoughts on each one of these albums and how we've approached it? What? Who was egregiously wrong or who was awesomely correct and who needs to have their head examined? So uh, chime in wherever you listen to this episode, whether it's on Facebook, on the board, or on YouTube where we – get quite a few comments we'd love to be told how we're wrong and how ken's right all right that's it for now so from ken from mark myself and lonnie thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time thank you for spending time listening to the kiss faq podcast today all sales are final there are no refunds if you'd like look us up on facebook or come over to the kiss faq message board and discuss the topic we broadcast today Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.